when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It is Monday, December 11th, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 120. I'm Austin Walker. It is December. It's cold. It was snowing uh, over the weekend. Joining me today, also from parts cold and unknown, except I actually know where they are, Patrick Klepek. Hello. It's, it's supposed to snow here. Oh, wow. Really? Signs, yeah. Okay. And uh, Rob Zachney, are you snowbound? Do you have snow in your life right now? Uh, I mean, it's definitely like we had our first real snow of the year uh, here here in Boston. It wasn't anything like uh, they got in like Buffalo during the right, football game, right? But it, it, there's definitely like some very pretty snow on the ground. Okay, well, that's you know that's what you kind of want. That's like the the dream, right? Is like you get all of the joy of of opening up the door in the morning and seeing like the seeing and smelling the crisp snow on the ground, but none of the like needing to break your back uh, shoveling snow or. Uh, die driving uh, over ice like that that's the bad part and if you can avoid that stuff then i think you're you're in a good place see snow for me becomes a uh a walking picking up my dog uh tr- and trying to find a, a yellow snow so i can set my dog next to it so that <laughs> they will pee on the yellow snow so i can take my dog back so my dog hates the winter has never it's never we've tried putting boots on her feet to try and yeah. make it easy takes the boots bad. off nothing nothing y'all live in chicago that's a place that's cold like you get a lot of snow is that was that not like a consideration for pixel pixel we've had this dog with dog had, was uh, introduced in our lives in san francisco back when right. this was not a not a problem we 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 put this uh, we put this upon her and she doesn't like us uh. so she <laughs> yeah it's it's funny like our old dogs um they grew up around like the, you know we we had them since they were puppies and in, in northwest indiana like they loved snow like they were snow like the minute the first time it started snowing the dogs instantly like reverted back to being puppies and right. just like run around and play in the snow like crazy right. it was great uh then a few years ago we adopted a uh, relative's uh labrador who sort of came of age in tennessee and that dog hates snow, but more than that, has a deep suspicion of it. Like it goes beyond like a, an aversion to snow, and is like that dog approaches snow like it expects it any moment like a monster is like a yeti is going to like rear out of it and try to eat it like and you know what it might rob we don't know we don't know the mysteries of the snow we do our best to survive and i think maybe that dog is being cautious and smart That's in 2017 like fucking anything can happen <laughs> all right like steven yeah, spielberg is directing me. a ready player one movie oh, so fuck. like <laughs> god damn it oh I'm... man we're i can't wait to drink from the holy grail of pulp, uh, pop culture. <laughs> I watched that trailer. So a lot of people linked me that trailer, this, that new trailer this week, because Gundam is in it. The original Gundam is in it. And it's just like nothing could make me want to see that movie less than than someone than them trying to pander oh, really? specifically to me. Yeah, are you Tracer fucking kidding me? Tracer couldn't make it 
make oh it even less appealing. God, I Ch- yeah, Ch- Chucky and uh, uh, Freddy Krueger. They, they, like they're they're putting every reference in for all of us. It's like nah, like you put a little Chucky does not mean I want to see this film. This film Sorry. is it's not it's not where I'm at. Like I I oh man, it's it's so much to think about Steven Spielberg as the director to this because mm-hmm. one because there are just Spielberg movies referenced in this, which is this weird recursive curse. It's like a recursive curse mm. uh, that is just killing me. Like I it it. It is one of my least favorite things to do is to reference my own material. Um, and so it's so hard for me to see Spielberg doing it. Uh, and then two, it's just like how they've chosen to promote the film has undercut any faith I had that Spielberg was going to be able to turn this thing around into something. Like that was always the thing that, Patrick, you told me this. A lot of people told me this. I was like, well, okay, but it's Spielberg. Maybe Spielberg can find... The, the, Maybe there's like a human you know, like story yes. in there. Like I have not read the book. I've, I I all I, my only I, my only yes. understanding of the book is through other people's hatred <laughs> of the book. I don't um, think it's a very good book. Is what I'll say. Uh, but I, I and I thought may, and what's uh, it makes sense for a teaser trailer to like play up all of those like homages yeah. and like the, the the you know like it's kind of cool. All the Iron Giant like that's like a kind of a, a small reference for people that like are fans of animation and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But like the second trailer where you think okay like here's where we're gonna set up like what this movie is about and instead i mean it did it was like oh it's a search for an easter egg which immediately made me groan i was just like come uh-huh. on like really like mm. mm-hmm. uh and nothing i mean i'll probably see it when it shows up inevitably on netflix but I, it's a it's a bummer we were talking about this before in the pre-show like before we started recording about uh trying to figure out like the the inflection point where uh, i think like sarcastically on twitter i said that spielberg had lost it and when i uh, around the time that this first trailer came out, and what I like, my, my more nuanced version of that was that like S- Spielberg trying to make these like the most Spielbergian movies like of the ET uh, mm-hmm. sort of era, uh, I think died post Jurassic Park, and that Steven Spielberg doesn't know how to use computer graphics, and that uh, okay. Jurassic Park constrained him in a way that like played to his strengths, which were like a great way of framing computer graphics and practical right. effects next right. week. Like uh, Jurassic Park, while it has some aging shots because like the shots that are pure computer graphics, like just by the, don't look the, great. Yeah. Just because the nature of technology, like that it's, yep. that it's going to hurt any shot that relies too much on that. But like large parts of that film work and even the compositions and the way they, they set up both those work really well um, because of the constraints and like Spielberg post constraints, uh, like when he works in digital worlds, I think he has a lot of trouble. Like even movies like the BFG, uh, which came out last year, which is not mm-hmm. a bad movie by any stretch, like is undercut by the amount of computer graphics in a way that I just think he he has trouble working within. Like differently than perhaps a director that grows up in, in computer that, graphics with, with and, those, yeah. But I mean, I, I think we should not underestimate the fact that like I do not think that modern like computer generated effects are generating a great like very many iconic uh tableaus at all right like i do not think this generation of blockbusters right. is going to like stick in the imagine in the imagination the way a lot of the things that spielberg and his generation created uh have have done for us um but the the other the other element is that all the things that uh, Ready Player One is referencing came out of works that had a consistent aesthetic that suggested things about their world and created a mood and atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And slamming those things together on a screen, rather than evoking all those references all at once, 
actually seems to, at least judging by this trailer, seems to plunge everything into this aesthetic limbo of like self-reference. And it becomes like really uh, dirge-like and joyless mm-hmm. uh, in, in some ways, right? Like uh, here, here we will visually recite all these memorable characters uh, from works that you're, you have an emotional reaction to, but this will evoke none of that reaction. Right. Well, that's the thing that, that is so tough about that is in the work itself, there's this, there's all in the text in the, in the, the ready player one as a story is about someone who does not have those direct nostalgic connections to the works either. Right. Like it's about a boy who is, who has studied those stories and films because the creator of this, this digital realm loved them so much and he he understands that like to unlock the key to the to you know to find the easter egg basically i need to understand these things and so he throws himself head first into the into the 80s culture um and and reveres it you know with an almost faith-like quality um and so even in the text like that nostalgia doesn't exist it's why it feels just like a rapid shot of jabs of of references is because even for that character that's really all those things are they're they're detached it's like it's like going to um like a bad 1920s theme party do you know what i mean and everyone yeah. just calls you old sport and it's like that's not <laughs> that's not like no and like they're wearing a monocle and like talking about the war and like what what are you talking what are you talking about you're just you're just bullshitting me right now like last time i spent an evening at roger stone's house (laughs) (laughs) roger stone cosplaying the fucking optometrist from the great gatsby (laughs) yeah great oh my god um Uh, kieran gillen said something uh like pretty great on on twitter this morning sort of reacting to that trailer as well he said that uh, the book is the the both the book and especially this movie feel like they are uh, like quietly adopting the kind of worldview that gave us Gamergate. Mm. Uh, and his point is that like the, the book's like underlying values, uh, they sort of uh, the way he says there's there's implicit gatekeeping uh, right. in, in the work, implicit raising of a specific eternal canon from a set period, glorification of basic consumerist excess, and I think that's a pretty like to the point summary of like why this is an inherently problematic project uh in in some ways because it it is like this uh dark peter pan for young men of a certain generation mm-hmm. and now that we increasingly kind of live in the tyranny of that gen- like of that worldview uh, it's become a lot less charming to sort of revel in it, right? Like, everything I need to know, I learned from 1980s action adventures. <laughs> That's right. incredibly fucked up. I mean, that was like, we, we kind of talked about this either last week or the week before. We talked yeah, about well, this we talked about that, the Simon Pegg essay. Was like right, a, that's what yeah. it was. Right, totally. Well, and, and I think part of it that is interesting when you actually look at the text of Ready Player One is that it is about mastery and knowledge of, of trivia. It's, it's about... Um, uh, uh, trivia ascending out of the trivial and to key uh, key working knowledge of the world around us because the world of, of Ready Player One the, the digital world has been remade in the image 
and logics of these worlds of these these 80s fictions um and so you know i think there's there is probably actually a uh a, a just a deeply like cynical and pessimistic read of this whole work that is very in line with what, what kieran said around gamergate but also just in a broader sense the like the things that we used to think of as being like nerd culture and and cut off are in fact increasingly uh mass market um and so it is it is something to be cautious about to to kind of really praise that sort of knowledge of trivia as if it is like the hidden key because it isn't it is it is popcorn and it's cool to be popcorn i like it as popcorn a lot like that's the thing that's fucked up is i like all of the things they're referencing i like almost all of them i think well, that there's, they're like a, there's a fun iconic. way to, I there's a fun way to do it and it doesn't pull that off and then there's yeah. like another way which is that you set up the premise of like it's a fun way and then you actually end up criticizing the premise like in the right. execution of the story yes. Yes. like that, i think that's that's more of the story that people wanted from ready player one again i'm speaking this from an outside observer is yeah. like okay like you can buy into this like sugary 80s pop uh premise because like of course someone would make something this like of course you could see reality mm-hmm. going down this path in a in, in a really shitty nihilistic way but like Instead of treating it as sort of like a, something to learn from, it's it seems to be mostly just celebrated in a masturbatory sort of fashion that like is not critical of like why that worldview is a problem or has issues or is something that we should be more deeply critical of. Right, you want you want Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, right? You want Willy Wonka, which is like this world of of sweetness and candy and delight reveals the the dark nature of humanity and and the ways in which we hate each other uh, and the way to move forward is love or something, right? You want that thing, uh, and instead there is this like very cheesy notion of love at the core of Ready Player One that is not well executed, uh, largely because I think the the perspective character is so unbearable. Um, but there is not that sort of like cutting it to the heart of what people think of as this digital world and why they, they like the things they like and why those references are there. And I, I, it's, I know it's not that book. Um, and I know there are people out there who are saying like, you didn't even see the whole movie. You're just judging this all about the trailer. I think it's a bad trailer. I'm allowed to judge the trailer as <laughs> it a trailer. Is, it, it is a bad know? trailer. And part of the reason I was holding out hope for the Spielberg adaptation, because I thought, both in a, a grand uh, sense of irony and also what it would have been interesting is if like Spielberg himself steps in to adapt a work that couldn't exist without his and says, actually, right. you don't understand the work that I made. And like did his did the adaptation as a way of like course correcting like the story in some fashion. Um, right. But and who knows? I, and, maybe, maybe, and maybe maybe that right. is there. And, and the reason like they're doing the trailers this way is because the easy way to market this movie yep. is to show all of those beats. And Spielberg has said that, um, and again, I don't know how much faith to put in this, that he gutted like a ton of the references to his own films because he, mm. he said that would have been distracting and left mm-hmm. in just a couple um, right. because otherwise you'd be you'd be getting too much of the work like you'd be lying <laughs> about what the work is yeah. but I guess in some in some I still sort of hold out some sort of hope that maybe what Spielberg saw in that and and maybe he could find a way to to to, to make that more of like what that story probably should have been but I given Spielberg's track record with those types of movies in the last like 10 15 years like I'm not super uh, confident that'll happen Shia LaBeouf fucking swinging through the jungle with those that- monkeys. Ah! Swing through the jungle. How do you add aliens to Indiana Jones and then lose me? How do you add aliens to (laughs) Indiana Jones and then lose me? (laughs) If anyone was here for those for the Indiana Jones aliens, it was I was.
You were the you were the crystal skull all along, Patrick, and oh. a sad face on that skull. Mm-hmm. Uh, should we talk about video games? Is that is that something we should talk about? Is there, some, is there anything else eh. in the world of of snow and and bad movies? Okay, oh. video games. Good good time. Okay, here's the thing that normally happens in December mm-hmm. for me. Yep, I spend. I spent the first week of December going, ah, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. There's no way I'm going to be able to play all the games I need to play before the end of the year. I can't write about everything. I have to be on podcasts. I have to talk about all the games. Ah, oh, fuck. And then finally, like, the eighth hits, and I'm like, okay, I got to start playing these games. I can't just cry about it for a week. Uh, and so I, I then, like, start digging in. I start going through my Steam list. I start going through my backlog. I talk to everybody who, you know, who I'm working with, and I go, hey, what is the, what's the thing that I missed that you want me to check out so we can talk about it on a podcast or so that I can edit a piece for you or blah, blah, blah. And... Uh, this year, uh, normally what happens is that that is what happens. I focus on that, and then I, I open up Twitter, and someone says, hey, your favorite game of the year just got some new DLC. You should go check that out. And I go, meh, no, bye. Like, I don't have the time. I'm too busy playing, you know, whatever uh, Call of Duty, so I can at least talk about Call of Duty for 10 minutes on, on a podcast in, a, in two weeks or whatever. And so I end up not uh, playing, going back to my own favorite games. But this year, two of my favorite games of the year, Breath of the Wild and PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, both got a big update. Uh, uh, Zelda got the Champions Ballad DLC, which is like the first story DLC. Is a lot of new uh, like uh, shrines and challenges and and kind of main world content. Uh, and then PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds got this desert map. Um, and both of those things have me spending my time on games I already know I love. And I feel a little bit guilty, but also I kind of just needed to be in those places over the weekend. So I'm not I'm not apologizing. No, but I, I, understand, I understand your – because I also, like, I wrote a post on um, my open thread last week. It was about, like, scrubbing through my list, trying to figure out mm-hmm. what games to catch up on and trying to figure out which ones I could reasonably put uh, time into. And found myself mostly going back to the games I'd already liked and just spending more – time uh with them and uh yeah it is felt it's weird to say i have felt comfort in going back to a precision violent shooter (laughs) uh but like there is there is comfort in like going back essentially uh like you and i and we've been playing with danica um going back and like getting to experience re-experience the arc that we had with battlegrounds in, in which Everything feels new and mysterious and strange and deadly again. Not that we ever became masters at that game, but we achieved like the goal that we set we, out yeah, we, to do. We won a chicken dinner live on stream, which which we'd gotten individually, separately off stream, but not ever together on stream. Yeah, like in that character. meant something. We yeah, in character exactly. Uh, and so to be back doing that again, like especially given like separate from my my role as a as a critic. Um, just like this year and just like the way like the exhaustion like both is like what it's exhausting to be a parent and it's exhausting to be a parent in 2017 with all the other stuff going mm-hmm. on like there are there's comfort in going to things that just like feel comfortable and and make you happy and like going in and playing with my friends in battlegrounds like is one of those things and so like to have it to have it executed so far so well yeah. um and to like add so much to an experience that I enjoyed so much throughout this year, like is is a cool. It's a good thing. Like, it's it's a, so cool. I so Rob, you have not played any battlegrounds yet, right? Right. Have you watched much? Oh yes. Okay. Have you seen any of this new desert map yet? 
because I need your tactical brilliance. You're you are, uh, you know, on 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 Team Waypoint. You are obviously the the, the finest, most honed military mind right. uh, we have to offer. And so I need <laughs> you sure. to help us understand what to do on this big open desert map. Okay. Um. So I guess my first question, because I haven't seen very much of it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll explain um, it. Yeah. Uh. First of all, so like, how big is it in terms of hexes? Okay. Um, it's pro- <laughs> it has okay. I got an answer. I got an answer. I think it has the same number of hexes as the previous map, so it's the same basic hex count. Okay. Okay. Great. So, so all um, those the the general ideas about um, the size of the circle changing and moving in, so all of that all of our old talents should just map easily. So you don't have to worry about that. Don't even think about the hexes. So why at can't all. you just get inside the circle and go to Overwatch? Okay. Um, well, we can with it. We, you know, we can try that. Okay, it's a good question. Good question. Good question. Uh, previously, what we would do to do that is we would go onto like a, we'd get a nice Overwatch position uh, on a hill that's covered in foliage, right? Because you get just so a cover bushes, bonus. Bushes, man. Like, bushes. It was all, it was all about the bushes. All about bushes. All about the bushes. Trees, rocks. Those are our big three. Trees, bushes, rocks. Say it with me. Trees, bushes, rocks. And now TBR. TBR. And now. There are none of those things because we're in a desert. Oh, there are hills, and you can kind of find a crevice and get yourself into a crevice. But <laughs> yeah, mostly... you, there was a moment where uh, uh, Danica and Allison had a, a, a really, really good run after I <laughs> after I managed to expose a, a trio of people hiding in a closet who then promptly shot me to death. I threw uh, a grenade in that closet and killed three people. You did. It's you the only time people. I've ever gotten a grenade kill in that game. So uh, it was unbelievable. And so I was like <laughs> trying to help them navigate the world after that. And uh, there was uh, let's call it a crack uh, that, that Austin could have could have uh, rotated themselves into, and he he was afraid of the crack. I was afraid of the crack. I was afraid of the crack. Listen, I'm an '80s baby. You know, I'll stay away from the crack. The crack. That's what I, you know, <laughs> God, the. Uh, the okay. distances are far. Like so, that's the biggest change I'd say, Robbie. You see people all like whereas uh, in the, the previous map, like it, yes, you saw people, but there was so much to hide behind, so much foliage, so many trees, right. so many Your sight lines uh, buildings broke constantly. Like uh, you, you might catch somebody, but then they'd be gone because they'd be in the woods. And here it's like, oh no, they're running across the desert, but they're too far away for me to do anything about. Like, but I you'll just have... see people. You look to your left, you'll see someone. You look to your right, you'll see someone, and you're just you're constantly highly uh, elevated in the map, and so you just are aware spatially of people all the time, and they're just. You were doing there's whereas in the previous map there's a lot of uh, occasionally it's a risk that you have to go to an open field because you fucked up and you never found a vehicle or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. Whereas in this map you you're always running through open yeah. fields like and or, not even fields there's nowhere like you couldn't like lean down and hide like you would just be on the desert ground. Yes. Or the the other thing that happens here that's different is. The cities are actually cities. They're dense. They have like four or five, you know, story uh, buildings that have big office layouts and stuff. Um, and so those areas are dense. They have little taquerias, little, you know, little uh, office complexes, little, uh, you know, uh, homes and stuff, apartment buildings. Uh, I, I found a bunch of stuff. I found, a, I, I mentioned to Patrick on the stream today, I don't want to say too much about some of the stuff I found because I want it to all be fresh as we as we do it. But like, or, you know, for, for, for him as he plays, for Danica as she plays, but I found a, um, I found a casino, which was really cool. Uh, and it's just like, oh, I'm just in a casino now. And and those areas are dense and urban in a way that the bulk of the first map aren't. And so there's this hard jump between 
super long range. Mm-hmm. You're not safe. You can't see, or you could. You're super visible. Everyone is super visible, and then these hyper dense like areas of 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 heat and activity inside of these city spaces. Um, and it's hard to know how to pivot between those two. Rob, we need your your guidance. How do you go between between dense urban combat and big open like long range uh, encounters? That's a very tricky problem, uh, and there are no good answers as far as it, like because if you're switching <laughs> if you're switching like drastically between engagement ranges and scenarios and like terrain, then what you really need are two different weapons kits. Right, uh, and I don't know if this game is going to let you is going to afford you the luxury of of, of that very often. Like, yeah, that's the thing. Is like, so normally on uh, the first map, the the uh, Irangel or whatever the Orangel, the kind of forested, uh, vaguely Eastern European themed uh, map. I was always comfortable with as long as I had a rifle, I was happy. Like as long as mm-hmm. I had a rifle, like a, a Scar or an M16 or something, an AK, I was happy because that was kind of an all distances weapon. It wasn't great for close up. It wasn't as good as a sniper rifle for far ranges. But the bulk of encounters were in this medium range where a rifle served me right. And then what I basically would always do is say, okay, well then I'll also take a submachine gun or a shotgun for close range, or I'll find a sniper rifle for really far ranges. And so I would I would have a kind of like it felt like there was a, a a if you imagine a spectrum of encounters, I would have most of those encounters covered by any two weapons as long as one of them was a rifle. Here, it feels like that SMG or shotgun is so much more necessary in the close quarters of of these cities because you're in, indoors uh, so often, and then the sniper rifles are like so much more useful, uh, especially if you get like a nice like an eight x or fifteen x scope where it's just like not just not just uh, useful, but but really changes the feel of the map because you can. Uh, I mean, I said this months ago on this on this podcast, and I mean it so much more with the second map. Like you can really, it feels like cheating. You can reach out and touch someone who cannot, who can barely make you out on the horizon in a way that was not the case uh, as often on Erangel because Miramar, the second map, is just so flat and open with these desert spaces. There's not, it's, not, it's not flat. There it are mountains and stuff. But Really interesting hearing someone encounter this problem in a game where they're entire, where they, they've become really adept at like handling one form of one tactical reality. Right. Right. Uh, yes. Because like, so, because what this reminds me of actually is, um, so the, like the standard infantry rifle in the U S army is like versions of the M 16, right. Or it's decided right. the, the, or the, or the M four carbine, uh, version of it. But that's all, that was all designed for what we anticipated the cold war battlefields. Uh, right. would look like a mix of urban and like moderately open terrain but like really like you weren't going to have these massive like long distance ranges it was going to be about uh, intermediate ranges and then close quarters battle and fire rate and control was going to be the main thing uh and what's funny is like in as i understand like in afghanistan one of the problems that started to crop up there is that engagement range is there just exploded right. like you had people firing across valleys at each other and the rounds are that the m16s fire are too light to like fly reliably and so like to this day in afghanistan people are using 
British Enfield rifles from the huh. early 1900s. Jesus. Uh, like, I don't know how to, like, there are enough anecdotal reports that that has definitely happened right. in Afghanistan of late. I don't know how widespread it is. Right, right, right. But it's something people definitely felt this pressure to do of, okay, like, modern weapons are all designed for a different kind of war. And right. this century-old bolt-action rifle that fires this <laughs> massive round is actually the best infantry weapon you can get on this battlefield. Wow. Um, so I don't know. Like, it's it's a tricky problem. And I think if... I mean, my advice would be to pick one of those ecosystems and try to avoid the other one as long as possible. Mm, yeah, it's um, not gonna. That's not gonna work in the long run, unfortunately. I think yeah. it's gonna be. We're gonna have to flip between both of them once that game drops. That game's out on the twentieth, and my suspicion is it'll be, it'll just be a hopper that lets you pull from both maps. You know. Um, I, I also just briefly want to say I think it's just a good map. Like I think just as a game design thing. Oh, it's really um, strong. It forces you to play differently, which I think yeah. is like the, the highest possible. We were talking about this when we uh, on the stream, but just the fact that for a game this popular, which has sold what twenty five million copies, you know, like in you know, it's yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And, and that's I think it's going to do extremely well on Xbox. It'll do extremely well on PlayStation. Like this game is going to be around for a decade. Like I think it's going to be a Counter Strike mm-hmm. level yes. sort of yes. success, um, and it's going to have a long life in uh, in esports and competitive play as it kind of like finds its footing uh, once mm-hmm. it goes. Uh, 1.0, but uh, it's so easy to imagine this game already having five or six maps that felt remarkably similar, but with like yeah. a little bit, little, little bit different. But like generally took the first map and just kind of did some small stuff too. But what they did was like fundamentally think about how do people play the game and how yeah. do we present them with something that flips all of like where it brings out like your ability to shoot a gun still important. Your ability to like manage those things is, is still applicable. But it feels fresh and mysterious and scary, and yeah. you don't know how to approach it. And if that's the uh, the the thinking and the care and the time that they're taking, it, like it makes sense why this map took as long as it did. It feels like I can't, you know I don't have insight into development. I don't know if like this map has secretly been like mostly done for six <laughs> months, but right. outwardly presenting, it, it, even even if it has been done for that long, waiting this long like was a smart decision for how they're going to add yeah. and build on this game going forward. Uh, I like the fact that the map makes you play fundamentally differently so that if, like, it'll end up making that first map feel refreshing by its very nature right. because I won't be expounding and expelling the same sort of uh, tactics and play and, and feedback loop in the second map from the first map. And like, it just makes me excited for where they're going to take like, – it, it, it creates a confidence that they are going to do really, really interesting, cool things with yep. any other map. For, like, give me a snow map. Motherfuckers, like, give me the snow map. Like, I yeah, want it. Absolutely. And whenever they do that, I am sure it's going to play with the conventions of the game in a way that I'm I can't expect. And like, that's like the the coolest one of the coolest things you can say about a persistent game is that I expect them to surprise me. And like, I I feel like maybe I have found like my forever game for a couple right. of years, and right. I've never had that before. And like, that's cool to have found that. Yeah, totally. I think a lot of people have dragged us a bit patrick for being like this is our first time really diving deep into a game a single Uh game that we Uh return to but like it is it is so cool not only to have that uh for us but it's really great to see that team um get better 
uh, like the UI has come such a far away from where it was when we first started playing. It does such a it does a much better job of calling out like the direction you're looking at the top of the screen, uh, at at communicating where the people in your own team are. Oh um, God, yeah. The the um, the world feels designed instead of built. Like instead of it just being like, oh, yeah, we made a world. It feels like you bring up CS:GO, you bring up Counter Strike, and um. When I was playing yesterday with with friend of the site Matt Pasquale, um, he noted that there was this there's this one structure we found it in our first stream. Those structures that were there's like a mine, uh, it's like a big industrial area right to the mm-hmm. to the east of the cemetery, and there's these big buildings that like kind of um they kind of like uh, uh, jackknife up into the air and then over huge structures um, that have all these these stairs going up them in interesting ways they have uh, there's like a hole blown out in, uh, for some of them there's a hole blown out of one of the sides of the walls and on like the second level floor there's uh, like another escape area that you can kind of come out on the third uh, stairway down and there's like a, one of the most interesting things is there's on the top floor there's just an escape hatch that drops down to the first floor and the way that it moves around Matt you know mentioned like oh this feels like a csgo map mm. uh and and it does and like just that little bit um those little things i think the same thing is true for a number of other things where it's like um i've noticed there's a lot of a lot of roofs that have holes in them from so that if you land on top of them you then have the opportunity to just jump down into the building or if you wind up up there because you've, you've uh, vaulted up there you know, via some boxes or something there's this other line of attack there's like all of these new better that that close range fighting has gotten so much more interesting because of the map the building design on top of the the broader macro map design um and it's also just gotten more interesting like i i feel like there is a there's an apology in this in this map um one of my most one of the things that i don't like about the first map is my one of my biggest beefs is that there's a plane crash and it's the most boring thing in the world you can find this crashed plane oh, and there's like nothing we've there. gone back to that like I, section I, I, yes. like on various updates thinking they gotta add something to this. They gotta add something. To this. They gotta be maybe at least like a, a cool gun, and maybe there's gonna be like a helmet. Like no, there's never anything. It's just a crashed plane in the woods. Which like on the, you know, when this game first came out, that's a little bit of that's a neat little bit of flavor. Sure. This time there's another plane crash, and the plane has crashed into this like little like village that that runs north south, and it's just torn the village apart, and it, the debris is scattered everywhere. The buildings are in shambles. There, there's like loot spread all throughout it. It feels like a plane crash, and like getting into a fight in that place feels dangerous in a weird way because everything's on fire, everything is like torn apart. There's rubble everywhere, uh, and like. That alone feels like they're not just making interesting spaces to fight in, but are making like they're not just making making spaces that that encourage good gunplay or or you know the sort of gunplay that feels intense. They're also uh, kind of turning up the the notch on flavor on communicating something about a place, giving the giving all of the little zones a placeness. Um, and and if they continue doing that, like I I like you, we'll keep coming back to this game. Pretty much indefinitely, you know. So yeah, that so is... this is being like a designer being like, let's put in a crash plane because it's cool, and then right. let's put in a crash plane because we want to. S- it says something about the fight that you're about to engage in. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I'm 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 pretty all in. Rob, do you think you're going to hop in now that it's coming to Xbox? Uh, look, if I'm going to play this thing, it's going to be on PC. Okay. It's more just that like. You know, it's like any competitive game. It feels like from what you like from what you guys have gotten out of it, having invested what you've invested, like I'm not, you know what I mean, it, like if I'm going to yeah. buy that ticket, I'm going all the way. <laughs> you got to go all the way. 
Yeah, I yeah. got gotcha. you. I got you. Listen, we have, and I got a, a lot, lot of 2008 of games to finish. That's true. <laughs> you do. I, I, will, you I hope uh, one thing that people t- take away from this is that I, I do think the onboarding into Battlegrounds, especially if you play, like if you play with folks that know what you're doing, uh, you can have a really good time even as you're coming to grips with mm-hmm. the mechanics of the game. Like Danica didn't know what the fuck she was doing when she started playing with us, and she doesn't today, even play. She doesn't even play a ton of shooters, and right. now like she regularly. Hangs. She takes the lead. She like yeah. she run off. She'll be very aggressive. She's rad. Like I love playing with Danica. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's like not afraid to take to take chances. <laughs> she, she, do, she does the things that like we won't do that work out some of the time, and some of the time don't work out. But it's uh-huh. fun to have. Like she's our wild card, and like, yeah, every, I love it's, it. it's really it's so like she she actually pushes us to do more interesting things, even if sometimes they're in response to the decisions that she that she makes. Because like Austin, like when you played a lot, you become ingrained in your in your habits, yep, and totally. like oh I, that worked for me last time, and it's like it's nice to have someone be like nah fuck it, I'm just running in with I'm my pistol. Run it. like, All right, let's, yeah, let's go get him. The right choice sometimes. Right, like you right. want someone with an itchy trigger trigger finger sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you just sit so, in the house. I will say. It's not like Danica's coming in completely cold because as part of her job, she watches you guys fuck up a lot. <laughs> uh, and so, like, Damn. she has had a pretty advanced tutorial in what works and what does not and Fair. what generates hilarity in Battlegrounds. Uh, so, yeah, she's, she has been, uh, to, you know, those, those, those gifts don't clip themselves. That's, you know, she, you're right. She studied from the best. And now wow. the students become the teacher. You're right. No, you're right. You're right. That was a little mean, Rob. Yeah. You, should, you know, maybe I'm just going to, I'm just going to, no, maybe you Patrick. should go read Ready Player One. <laughs> then you'll learn what, it, what it's like to be a yeah. real gamer. And, and then you can come play with us. Go get a six pack of Mountain Dew and read some Ready Player One. You guys reliably know what the crouch key is now, right? It depends. It depends. It depends on the day. <laughs> um, well, the, the thing. I mean, Austin, hmm. like today, accidentally threw a grenade when he didn't mean to. So. Was that true? But then ma- that did but that then work made, out? But then made up for it by throwing a grenade when you did mean uh, to. I did mean to. The second time. Yes, that's true. You're right. The first thing that I did today was I threw a grenade. <laughs> I threw a smoke grenade in a room. I was like, ah, oh, fuck. I'm just waking up. This isn't great. Okay, I have um, a very important question because I've been watching uh, some, some game footage while you guys have been talking. Yeah. Uh, how do I get that sweet black leather trench coat? Kill, take it from someone's dead body. That's how oh. you get it. Or you buy a crate. Oh, uh, damn it. God damn it. Uh, the loot had been pretty good. I, it so looks like the... Gabriel Knight goes to war. <laughs> the, all of the, the armor in this game is ridiculous, and I love it. The um, the main game has like a, a reward crate system. As you play, you get you know whatever bullet point bucks or whatever, uh, and spend those. They're called BP, right? What what is that? Battleground points, I guess. Bullet bucks are better though. Bullet bucks, you know, um, and, and you spend your bullet bucks on a new hat or whatever. You get a crate and you open the crate and goes, oh, it's a hat. And you go, oh, I'll wear this hat until I find a helmet, I guess. Um, that's why you want to get a coat because you wear the coat the whole game. <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 or you can just find it. You can find you can find gear just in the in the wild, basically. Um, it's good. We got to get you playing, Rob. We, we do. Once once you get through all your 2008 games, what's the 2008 game that you're playing today? <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, well, okay, it's not quite that bad. Uh, okay. I, haven't got, I haven't climbed into the Wayback Machine uh, quite that drastically. But I'm just playing a little, uh, a little Dead Rising 3. Okay, that's 2013. That's good. Yeah, Close. I'm catching up. I'm catching up to you guys. Not not four, not the Christmas one. We're going towards the holidays. You thought maybe, I thought maybe, oh, Dead Rising holidays. That's like a good, no? No, no. It's coming Rising out on 3. PS, PS4 soon, Dead Rising 3. That's the Dead, Rising, Dead Rising 3 is a good game. I re, like, it was a genuine, like, you know, the Xbox One had what? Uh, Rise? What was that game called? Rise? Rise. And, and like Dead Rising 3. It was um, Sunset Overdrive wasn't even out, right? Oh, yeah, Sunset Overdrive was No, I think that, it like... took a little bit, though. I think it was Well, like... okay, those first yeah, six Yeah, but months. it was in that launch window. And I like Sunset Overdrive a lot. Where's my sequel? Uh, yeah. Dead Rising 3 is good. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been pleasantly surprised by it. Because I have never played the Dead Rising games. Uh, that I've never probably, that probably explains part of why mm. you like this one. Because uh, the, the backlash to 3 was partially rooted in the changes it made relative to the first two games. Right, because you don't drink any orange juice in this one, do you? You don't uh, have to man- manage. I don't know. A- you pretty much Hoover up food whenever you can, right? Okay, like, but you're not you're not monitoring a weird hunger meter. No, there's no clock. Is there a clock? Nope, not really. No. Hmm. Is there Otis? Is Otis there? Is Otis helping you out, my boy Otis? No, not really. Otis no. from the first game. He's the he's like the guy who's like on the radio who's telling you where to go. Oh, I mean, I've got a, I've sort of got a guy like that. I've, okay, he, he calls me on the phone and I can't talk back to him. And he's uh, yeah, it's like basically if it were a movie, he'd be a, he'd definitely be a John Goodman character. Okay, uh, that's cool. Maybe helpful, but maybe will also try and murder you at some point. Who can really say? Uh, but I think that mostly what's what's sort of taking me back by this. Uh, and I kind of dig it, is um, there's just a lot of zombies in this game. Like, <laughs> tons. Like, more than you would really think feasible to put on the screen <laughs> and, like, mob you with. And there's there's an element of just, like, at a certain... It's not like, it's not like a brilliant or original idea this game has. It's literally, like, what if lots of zombies? Yeah. But, you know, you think you've played games that have lots of zombies. No, and then, Dead Rising like, 3 has Dead a Rising. lot of zombies, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm cut like, and there are moments that there's sort of a uh, sort of a breathtaking menace to it, right? Like moments where you're looking down over a congested section of um, fake Los Angeles freeway, and it's just like a moving carpet of zombies, <laughs> and then they notice you and start to like shamble towards you, and you got to somehow like figure out how you're going to get through this this herd. Uh, basically. How do you get, how do you get through? Well, how did you get through? Not, not like a general sense. It depends. Uh, it may, sometimes I have a car, uh, but the cars get, you know, they're pretty good for slicing through crowds of zombies, but they also start to take damage and catch on fire. And usually you have to bail out of the car at the worst possible moment. Uh, and that gets pretty hairy. Uh, this sounds a lot like Battlegrounds to me, actually. This is very similar. <laughs> uh, the, the thing that Dead Rising 3 is doing as well is... A lot of it, and, and this I have mixed feelings about, a lot of it hinges on weapon combos. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not just that, like, oh, cool, you found a katana somewhere, and now that's your zombie killing, like, ace weapon. The katana is going to get used up probably in, like, five minutes. Uh, what your real game plan is, is to combine, like, a weed whacker and a broom. 
or something like that. Sure, you got a wee whacker on a broom, and you <laughs> just start advantage. like. Yeah, it, look, it doesn't seem super practical. Like, a, you know, it doesn't seem like the broom handle would really be able to sustain uh, even the motion of the weed whacker, but whatever, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, but basically, you can go, like, just carving through herds of zombies with these uh, sort of, like, power weapons. Uh, and a lot of the game seems to be about just setting you up to turn into, like, a human threshing machine uh, through zombies, which is cool, but also I think it is contributing to this feeling of the game feeling a little bit weightless. Uh, these crowds are huge, and that's right, cool. Right. But then you're also like slicing and dicing your way through zombies so quickly and in such like ridiculous numbers that in no time at all, uh, it just starts to feel like your character is really just more of like a sprinkler head that you attach a different <laughs> weapon to and then move around. Okay, but there's still a lot of zombies, which you know. There's that's... a lot of zombies. <laughs> I, I I'm I have such a weird, uh, I guess, relationship with those games because the first Dead Rising was definitely one of the things that sold me on the Xbox 360. I got I had an Xbox 360, but like definitely had had that feeling like, ah, oh, was this worth the money? Uh, and then Dead Rising one hit, and it was such a unique experience that felt next gen in the way that we talk about next gen like it felt like okay the ps2 could not do this the xbox could not have done this thing um and it was original in in so many weird gameplay ways like i i talked briefly rob about how there was a clock the first dead rising i think the second one too um there was just like the world was the world and things were happening all the time and so if you wanted to go save you know jim and rick at the at the sporting goods store, you had to do it while they you get a call that says that they're there and that they need help and that you have to go out and help them. And hey, if you encounter one of the bosses in the open world on the way, like you better either run from that boss or deal with them quick so that you can go save Jim and Rick. Because if you don't, Jim and Rick are dead. And it was really cool to have to manage all that stuff, especially when I was like in college and had a lot of time on my hands. So having an imperfect run through was not a problem. I would just load a save or like start a new game. And actually, like now I know how the map is laid out. I know where all the cool weapons are. And so it was such a unique game um, that I, I, you know, when I saw that they pulled all that stuff out of three, I definitely had the... Uh, unfortunate and like you know I, it's not a it's not a response that i'd like to have of just like oh this isn't what i want this isn't my thing um and so i just never got i also never got around to it because i didn't have an xbox one until this year so it just was never on the radar for me it's really. on, dead rising 3 is on pc okay. now um and it'd be worth like i haven't played four but even f- from folks that enjoyed three yeah uh I think it sounds like three is maybe the stronger game. Oh, I actually, yeah. I I bounced off Dead Rising one like hard. Like I was, mm-hmm. I didn't. I was one of the people who was like, I oh, got to change this game in order to make it better. Right, right. I, it just like didn't, despite the fact that like a lot of it sounded like my thing. I just, I don't know. Like it just didn't click. But I, I, if I went back and played that game now, my guess is I would like it a lot more because yeah. of what's changed about what I appreciate about right. game. like the kinds of games I like are much more like what Dead Rising was doing now right. as opposed to what i liked out of games then and so because dead rising one and the way it handled like punishment and consequence and mm-hmm. time management was so like again like this was the beginning of like games like gears of war that did like a lot of hand holding to make sure you got right. through things that's not a specific indictment of gears of war as much as like games are expensive and they want to make sure you see all the shit that they're doing and i 
just I just couldn't I felt like I couldn't appreciate Dead Rising. I didn't know that at the time, but my guess is if that game was presented to me now and like a like Dead Rising didn't exist and then they made Dead Rising, I'd end up really really liking that game. Um, it has issues to be clear. Like, I don't think it's oh, a perfect sure. game or anything, but I think it's super I I think that like it does so many unique things that are uh, that make it stand out in a crowd, um, and so definitely, you definitely worth is, looking at it at some point. I'm finding striking about it. Also, just having played uh, Binary Domain in this year, there is a weirdly consistent absurdity in Capcom games that mm-hmm. I find like it's weird. I, like I'm sure these are from different teams and everything, but there's like a consistent sensibility across these games, like the fact that. Dead Rising is sort of backdropped by this ridiculous uh, like attempt to contain a plague using Zombrex chips. Right, you got to use of course. See if you uh, if you know the whole backstory, Zombrex has a, a whole history, you know, uh, of there are mosquitoes. Uh huh. He has a daughter. He has a daughter, and she needs her Zombrex. Wait, There's a whole okay. thing. The the fiction Zom- of Dead Rising is fantastic uh, all the way through. Like it is very goofy and. Can't so I should be. go back and play one. Two is the one with uh, is Chuck. Chuck is his name. Did you play two, Patrick? Or did you also not play? No, nah, I skipped two. Okay, in two. So in one, you play as as uh, Frank West, who is a, a photojournalist. In two, you play as uh, Chuck. I keep wanting to say Taylor. It's not Chuck Taylor. <laughs> uh, it's Chuck Green, and Chuck Green is like a reality like there's like a stunt TV show uh, performer. Like in which he, it's like um, rollerball or like it's like okay. a it's one of those but with zombies. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like a zombie okay. like action sports show, and he uses the prize money to buy Zombrex to give to his daughter, who otherwise would turn into a zombie. Um, and so then everything goes bad. He's in Vegas. It's in Vegas. The, the games have like such great settings, and so again, it's really campy and absurd, and and. Uh, I'm glad to hear that three also sticks that landing. So far, at least. But yeah, yeah. it's been fun. Also, uh, to to just to, to something you were mentioning, Rob, the post uh, Dead Rising two, three, and four were all made by Capcom Vancouver. Um, so oh, the first one was made in Japan, and then it was handed off to a, a sort of a Dead Rising specific studio. Um, also, I, I'm I, I'm pretty ahead. sure Binary Domain was Sega because it's the same as the Yakuza team. So mm-hmm. oh, Sega, okay. still Japanese team. Um, and the first Dead Rising, first Dead Rising was Japanese, I think. Yes. Um, yeah. Because I, I remember hearing a lot of people at the time talk about that game as being Japan trying to do an American style game, which was interesting um, to, to think about, I guess. Uh, yeah. All right. Cool. We'll keep checking in on, on Rob's Zombie Minute uh, <laughs> every week. Rob will go back and play uh-huh. a different Dead Dead Rising Three, a zombie you. And, well, we, uh, we, for, we forced him off Zombie U because we were gonna. Right, we were all gonna right. play that. Well, and uh, and uh, uh, what's the space one? Dead space. Dead space. The space. Oh, one. Lost Planet is the uh, sci-fi Capcom. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, cool. Um, I'll play that one next. Oh my god! Don't play! Don't play! I'm eh, that first Lost Planet was okay at the time. Yeah. If if you've gone back, I also and... heard Lost Planet three has like a surprisingly good story. Really? Huh. Uh-huh. Three was the one that was from a Western studio. The Western yeah. studio, right? Huh. I'm 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 curious about it. They have mechs. Those games have mechs. I like mm-hmm. their designs a lot. They have cool monsters. Two was 
2 was a game I really, really, really wanted to like. I kept telling myself if I ever got to play co-op, I would like it because it was clearly designed as sort of like sci-fi linear monster hunter um like these big fights and it just didn't ever really click for me i just love how easy it is to bait austin like literally you just put a robot underneath a box held up with a stick and like put a note on the robot that says it has feelings well as long as that robot doesn't say right or the note doesn't say ready player one because then i'll just (laughs) turn me away like there is a degree of it like i need you to be genuinely interested in making a game about robots like that's what it comes down to it can't be I know I'm going to get people who like robots by making a game about robots. I need the person making the fucking robot to care more about those robots than I ever will. And that will by itself create a robot that makes me care about it. You know, like, does that no? Okay. That may, no, that makes an, an intense amount of sense for somebody <laughs> okay. completely off the cuff. And it's a little concerning. <laughs> I've thought about this a lot. Listen, I, 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 it's weird. Like I actually, my love of mechs is, is, a weird thing because I, I get a lot of fans who are like, oh, did you see that Japan and America are going to have a giant robot fight? And like, I could want nothing less than that. Like, that is the opposite of why I like all of my favorite mech shit is about how war is terrible and how like mechs are interesting because they are this intense like fetishization of technology passed directly through the ego of mankind who's decided that tanks aren't good enough for them. And so what they really need is tanks that look like people. Um, and, like, I think those tanks look cool as hell. Like, that's the, like I also think that the, that the giant robots look dope, but those stories fundamentally are again and again and again are about how terrible war is, uh, were the ones that, I, I, that really resonate with me. And so, like, it does take more than just a cool design to hit me, unless it's a really cool design, in which case it's just I like robots. Uh, but it's rare that I get into a piece of media because I think the robot design looks cool. I need to, you know, like, what is the setting? Like, what are the characters? What's what's going on in the story? Um, and then also it helps if the robots are really dope. Uh, so that's 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 my robot minute. We've had Rob Zombie minute. We've had my robot minute. Uh, Patrick, do you have a minute? Do you have a, a, a check-in? Is there anything you've been like... Uh, what's, what's the through line in your life besides, like, your family and your dog? <laughs> Uh, it's, it's like a horror minute. I guess I watch like probably a horror movie once every week or two weeks. But I don't oh, think I've watched you... one. I'm trying to think of what I what we watched lately. Mm. Well, I haven't watched one lately because I part of the union uh, that we're a part of Vice means that I, <laughs> I get these out like these these writers guild screeners, and so I've been watching like real movies as not <laughs> not my garbage wow. horror films every week. I watched what Last a... Flag Standing. It was pretty good. What's Last yeah, what Flag Flying? Last Flag. Mm. Without Brian Cranston and uh, Lawrence Fishburne and Steve Carell, Steve Carell's son dies in Iraq or Afghanistan, and then goes to pick up his body. It is way less sad than the premise of Winnie Sound. It's a very funny and uh, touching movie. Uh, it was uh, written directed by uh, I never know how to pronounce this guy's name. Richard Linklater. 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 I've always said it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. That's cool. the, my m- movie minute. There you go. Your movie minute. There we go. Movie now we know. This is what, what we all do in our spare time. It's great. I guess you know what I, I did. An, I did a weird anime update a couple weeks ago. So so you know we're, we're all in our we're all in our zones right now. I think it's gonna do it for us. I have to go into the office uh, for a meeting, and, and I told the people that I would be. It's like one of those meetings. You ever have one of those meetings where it's like, oh, I'll be in the office from this time to this time, and we'll figure out a time once you're there. 
And that's like not a good way to do meetings because then no one's ever actually there at the right time. That's how you do a meeting at the very end of the day when everyone really wants to go home. Exactly. Well, uh, it is 2.30 and I still have to do the whole commute into the office and also eat a sandwich somewhere in here. So so I'm going to say that this is going to be the end of our show for now. Mm-hmm. This is the second week in a row that I just have not eaten anything before we did a podcast. And it's a mistake. I want to put it out there. It's a mistake to do that. You've uh, got to do what I do. You've got to like you got to think about lunch in the morning so right. that – you can have it sort of like prepped and set aside. So when you've got that ten minutes, I just you just can vacuum just put in the that sandwich in, in your mouth. mouth. Yeah, right. Uh, got gotcha, you. Got gotcha, gotcha. As I think, as Rob put it, uh, hoovering it into, uh, <laughs> into your mouth. Yeah. Perfect. Waypoint Radio. Hopefully, there's a Hoover ad. Ah, uh, oh, fuck. We didn't take an from... ad break again. No. God damn it. Well, don't oh, worry. Don't worry. There'll we be one, one anyway. <laughs> we took one last week, and I. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. I hope yeah, everyone sh- enjoyed. If you, I hope everyone for the better part of 24 it. hours really enjoyed. It was. Uh, it was good. It, it was, was the better part of like 48 hours. There was a point where you told me it was fucked. Or someone on Twitter showed us that it was bad, and I was like, "Okay, let me hear how bad this is." Like, "Oh, that's real. That's a real funny place to put that ad. I'm gonna <laughs> leave it there." So I didn't. Int- we didn't intend for it to go there, but we did intend to leave it there for as long as we did. I fixed it yesterday, like last night, I think. Finally, so this morning someone told me they heard it where it was. So I, they probably had already downloaded it. Yeah, um, it doesn't replace the file. You yeah, have to delete it yeah. and then pull it again from the. But you. If you have the original, you have the canonically That's real the canonical version. One. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, there will be an ad in there somewhere. Uh, in any case, I'm Austin Walker. You can find me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Where can people find you, Patrick? Find me at Patrick Klupik. And Rob. You can find me at Rob Zachney on Twitter. Awesome. As always, you can follow Waypoint on Twitter at twitter.com slash waypoint, facebook.com slash waypointvice, waypoint.vice.com for all of uh, our, our stories. Also, our forms, discourse.zone. And as always, thank you to Bowen for letting us use the track Miss You of the EP Pale Machine. Find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. I hope everyone has a warm week, but not like a too warm week. Uh, hopefully not like a like fucking shout out to everyone in, in uh, LA and I hope that the fire situation there is, is contained and, and taken care of I haven't heard an update today about it um, but, but if you're oof. in Alabama go vote also yeah if you're in Alabama go vote go vote for me I would vote for the person who is an alleged uh, pedophile but you know go vote Leave up, leave your voting <laughs> conscious up to you. It's between you and your conscience. It's between you and you. You know, it's not my job to tell you who to go vote for. I, but I will openly say who I would vote for. So, fuck. This country is in a place, y'all. Mm. Uh, we're going to get through it. A couple more weeks in 2017. We'll put 2017 behind us. And we'll have a whole other year. We'll have a whole nother year to compare to the year before and see, huh, is this one better or worse? <sighs> Should I watch Legend of the Galactic Heroes? Yes, oh my god, yes, Rob. Rob? Yes. Rob. Yes. That Rob, let's, made we're going to hang up this phone. Up. We're going to hang up this, this call, and then you and I are going to talk about, about Legends of the Galactic Heroes and why we should watch that show together. Are there robots in it? No, but there's incredible spaceships. Um, there are some um, robots I'm all in about it, spaceships. But there I are, actually like oh spaceships my, more than robots. Dude, and the spaceships in this show are incredible and are like... The whole thing is this military space opera that is interested in it in terms of military history, and I, it's great. It's great. It's an incredibly you show. My phone is ringing. I'm going to hang up this call. Thanks, yeah, everybody, for listening. We're, we're done. Uh, 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 be, be good, good be at good peace. At... Bye. Stop. 
Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus.